This episode of Modern Bonsai is brought to you by Bonsai Ann Masterclass Series, an online learning platform with live and interactive lessons where you can ask real-time questions and get real-time answers. For more information, visit www.bonsai-en.com.au. That's www.bonsai-en.com.au. Modern Bonsai listeners, we are back with another episode and today's guest is Martin Walters from New Zealand. Martin has been practicing bonsai for about 15, 16 years now and has some fantastic trees to show for his time. We just uh, shoot the breeze for a little bit, we didn't really have a topic in mind and Martin tells us a little bit about his new club Kenzo Bonsai, so enjoy. still in lockdown like you and a no we we haven't had lockdown in uh quite a while actually um i think i think in the last maybe month or so i think perth has had a lockdown and melbourne keep going in and out of lockdowns but as for new south wales we had we had a couple of months at the start of the pandemic but after that it was pretty smooth sailing Okay. Oh, oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, but in saying yeah, we've, that... We've just... Oh, sorry? Yeah. yeah, no, go on. Oh, I was going to say, in saying that, we we still haven't had a lot of bonsai events, though, because of that. Um, you know, a lot of yeah. the club meetings have been, you know, pretty quiet and a lot of the exhibitions and shows and so forth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's been a bit shitty. We've just come out of our level two to level one about two hours ago and everyone's just hitting the bars <laughs> or the bars like the whole of the viaduct the whole of the harbour um because we've had the we've had the america's cup on yep so it's all just yeah it's all just going mad at the moment everybody's just because we only got 20 20 minutes notice that it was over all right it's but Beautiful sunny day, so everyone's just going a bit mad in Auckland today. <laughs> but I've, I've controlled myself for this. I've only had one cocktail today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's the problem with this, um, you know, pandemic, isn't it? Because everybody's in lockdown for so long, and then the minute the restrictions are lifted, everybody goes out in droves, and then we end up with infections again. Yeah, well, hopefully this time it's yeah. Hopefully it's a bit longer, but we're starting to get the starting to get the vaccinations now. Like they're slowly starting to trickle through. So yeah, yeah. I've got a few uh, bonsai friends in England that are hoping to come out this year, but whether they can or not, I'm not sure. Maybe end of the year, but they're waiting for all the English vaccinations to happen, and then they'll be safe. So they're a little bit behind us. Yeah, I think. I think we're a long way off yet, um, you know, seeing a little bit of normality because I know myself with Bonsai N trying to import from Japan at the moment. Um, it's mm-hmm. it's really hard because Japan posts 
um, has, has stopped flights basically everywhere. Um, yeah. So we, we import now with DHL, which is quite a lot more expensive. It's quite a lot quicker, um, quite a lot more expensive. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I've been watching... You're importing pots. Importing pretty much everything except for fertilizers and soils. Yeah, okay. So, cool. Um, yeah, I've been watching watching the news like a hawk trying to see about this Australia-Japan travel bubble because as soon as that opens up, oh, okay. it's all systems yeah. go, and that was supposed to be October last year. Okay, yeah, because if that happens for you guys, that might open it up here as well. Mm. Yeah, that might, because we're sort of always tagged along with you guys a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah, that could, that could happen for us. Yeah, that'll be good. So, have you ever been to Japan? Not as yet. Um, I was supposed to be going with our dojo this year um, for a martial arts. Um, it's like a competition okay. um, where all the countries yeah. that practice Shirinji Kempo, um, they all meet at Hombu um, in Takamatsu. Okay. And that was supposed yeah. to be this year, but obviously got cancelled because of the virus. Um, that was going to be my first trip yeah, to yeah. Japan. Uh, so you're a so you're a karate guy. Yeah, <laughs> one of them oh, guys. Yeah. I did uh, judo for nine, nine, ten years back back in my late teens, early twenties. I've I've always had a like it. It was because of martial arts I got into bonsai. Yep. I have, a, I have a picture from that side, quite quite weird, but having that love for the Japanese aesthetic and the Japanese way and the training of the martial arts, but I just kept getting hurt. Yep. And uh, Bonsai was the only one that's just sort of just stuck. But, uh, yeah, I got – I had a few – I did um, I did Kung Fu for a bit, had a few tournaments there and got, uh, got a chest caved in through that, so I had to stop that. I did uh, – Kendo for a while, and I got my throat crushed with the with the with the cage. So got that. So I just haven't had a good run. Yep. So I've tried everything, but I never. But I don't know. I I, I kind of think bonsai is kind of like a martial art a little bit. You sort of learn the basics, and things get better, and you sort of work your way up. And there's lots to learn, and even when you, it just doesn't end. And I I, I just uh, I haven't looked I, I haven't looked back, and I haven't quit that, and that's been. 16 years now so yeah it's just so that's enough for me now yeah that's the only thing i really do I, I think that's the problem with um martial arts is a lot of people see shows like cobra kai and the karate kid and and then they see all like the steven seagal movies and all the action movies and they think that yeah. martial arts is <laughs> yeah they, they tend to get this idea that martial arts is all about you kick people's ass and they don't kick your ass but it's it's yeah. quite the opposite. They kick back. That's <laughs> the thing, yeah. And, uh, and, it, and it hurts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it really hurts. And I don't, I, I like martial arts, but I don't like getting hit. So it's one of those things. And I'm not that good, so I was always getting hit. Yeah. It's funny, too, because with our particular martial art that we um, practice in our dojo, we don't have any kind of padding. We don't have padding on the floors. Oh, okay. We have complete timber hardwood uh, floors yeah. so when we get thrown around we yeah. we hit the ground at full force uh, when we do our you know our rolls we practice our forward and backward rolls and all that kind of thing it's uh, mm, 
There's no pussy yeah, footing around no. with it. I'm too old for all that stuff now, man. Well, you know what? You say that, but our sensei is in his 60s now, and he goes harder than anybody. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I, I don't know. I seem like I do CrossFit. I do CrossFit five, five, six times a week, and I'm 50 next year, and I think that just keeps me a little bit fit, but I just don't want to. I just bad knees, bad elbows. I don't need that. I don't need to be punched around anymore. Yeah, I'm more, I'm more chilled now. <laughs> yeah. I, I quite like the idea of doing bonsai more. It's um a lot more relaxing. They don't hit as hard. Yeah, 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 for sure. They get a bit heavy every now and then. Well, it's half the reason I do I do CrossFit because I can lift bigger trees when there's no one else around to help me. I don't know if you've seen my collection, but yeah, there's a few that I've probably got five that are four four man lifts getting up there a little bit. Yep. So I have to drag guys in from work to help me help me shift them around. <laughs> you know, most people don't. Most people, when I tell them that I do bonsai, they just think, "Oh, little little things." But I'm like, holy fuck, what's that? That's, that's not a bonsai. It's a bonsai. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's it. a pot. You might not be able to move it, but it's still a bonsai. Yeah, we get the same thing here. People think, you know, little Shohin bonsai, you know, the stuff that they've seen at, you know, big box retail stores and that. And then yeah. when they when they see the real deal bonsai, they step back and yeah, they just go, holy yeah. shit, what's that? <laughs> yeah. And that's quite a good feeling. That's kind of a good comment, I think. I, I think that's the ultimate compliment because they don't know anything. They've got no preconceptions but they're blown away by something that you've done and uh, I kind of get more of a buzz out of people like that than someone that will critique your tree to every little degree whereas you just want someone to go wow that's really cool and that's enough Yeah, sometimes (laughs) well it's funny because I have um, a lot of the people when they visit Bonsaian for the first time it's always the rock plantings that they get drawn to, and then they spend okay. they spend five minutes looking at every nook and cranny, and they're like, "How are you? How does the roots? How, do you do it? how does that sit? Yeah, what?" And they've yeah, got so cool. many questions, and they're they're just so blown away that you can actually grow a tree on a rock, and you know, you sit there and you explain yeah, to them, cool. and you know, yeah. yeah, it's cool. So do do you have a lot of students? Like, what do you run a school as well, or? Or is it maybe a nursery type? Um, so uh, Bonsai N is actually, obviously we're still building. It's quite a young business. Um, but yeah. we we have a small nursery. Uh, we have an yeah. online school, um, which we run under the banner yeah. of um, the Bonsai N Masterclass Series. I've, yeah, I've uh, seen a few of the videos, yeah. Yeah, so our teacher for that is Andrew Edge. Um, from the Central Coast right. here on Australia, um, 25 years experience okay. and just an absolute amazing collection of bonsai trees and the dude's just an absolute wealth of knowledge. Um, you know, he is who sure. I've mostly trained under, um, you know, for my years in bonsai, yeah. you know, with a few other people here and there. Um, but, yeah, so he, he does our education side of things and then also we've got our YouTube um, yeah, we're kind of, we're still trying to feel out the whole YouTube thing at the moment, but we're, yeah. you know, we've got our, our online courses are very 
set out so we find that people learn bonsai better if we take them through the proper steps rather than them trying to get dumped into a full library of videos and figure out where they should start themselves we kind of take them from the very bottom if they join the beginners and we take them from the very bottom of you know teaching them species and you know, teaching them what deciduous is and evergreen and conifers, you know, just very basic stuff. And then once we move them up to the intermediate stuff, we can start teaching them more in-depth stuff and then we move them up to advanced. And we just find that, you know, they learn better in that environment. And with our masterclass courses as well, we have have a group, a private group on Facebook where all the students get dropped in and they all talk amongst Uh themselves. They ask questions, we jump in answer for them oh that's cool yeah so it's a really good environment for them and now we're saving our youtube we're starting to do a lot more theory based stuff on there i'm still going to do videos where i work on trees um but we're trying to you know the last few videos we've released um are things like um the rules of bonsai and why they aren't really rules you know, explaining that, yeah. you know, there are these guidelines there that exist, but you don't have to follow them. But if you do learn them, you have a pretty good base to start from. Um, so yeah. that was a full yeah. theory video. And then we've done other stuff um, like, you know, why bonsai shouldn't be kept indoors, you know. So we explain that, yeah. you know, there is some species that can be kept inside, but there's a good reason why they shouldn't be. Um yeah, because that, that comes up time and time again, eh? Indoor bonsai. Time and time again. Yeah, and how come my how come my uh, trees died and all that sort of like where there's a there's a Facebook group in New Zealand and um, that's got about three thousand four thousand people on it and it's a lot of new people and literally two three times a week you'll get someone post a photo of a tree that they've got, they just got it as a gift or it's their first tree, completely dead. And everybody chips away at why it's dead. And the bottom line is it's been, a, it's been inside for two or three months yep. and that happens every single week. So, um, yeah, it's got to, that whole stigma has got to be, got to be dropped from, it shouldn't be inside in the first place. It just seems, it just seems to happen a lot here. Yeah. Because yeah. The, the thing I was trying to explain And, I mean, you know, I I got roasted by some people about it, which doesn't really matter because, you know what, there's always those people out there. But, you know, I was trying to say that there are, you know, even though there are some trees that can be kept inside like your tropical species, even if you do Mm -hmm. keep it inside, that tree is not going to do as well as it would outside. And if you look at the practice of bonsai, if you've got a tree inside, really, all you're doing is practicing the art of keeping that tree alive inside. You're not practicing bonsai. If you're practicing bonsai, the first rule, and this is a rule, is that before we do any work on a tree, we make sure that that tree is the healthiest that it can be. And if it's indoors, it's not the healthiest it can be. If there's sun shining outside and you know, you're not exposing it to that fresh yeah. rainwater and the air and... Yeah everything yeah so yeah yeah but i think it's even if you don't know anything about bonsai trees that are 
initial concept of thinking it's okay to keep it inside. You know, it's a bit weird how that sort of not changed. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's because we've been, we've been doing bonsai a while that we think, okay, why are you keeping it inside? But it just seems to seems to be common common sense that's not really broken out into the mainstream a little bit. I don't know. I just thought it would have been basic information, but it just keeps coming around and around and around again. Yeah, and then you always get this pushback of, like, I when I posted that video, I had a whole bunch of people push back and say, oh, I'd like to see you keep a fig outside where I live. It's like minus 40 degrees, and it's like, well, dude, you wouldn't have a fig. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. choose your area, yeah. choose your species. Do you uh, do you kind of think because your your online presence is probably quite out there that you do get attacked quite a bit? Like, do you face that quite a lot? Yes and no. Um, yeah, I, I had I've got friends who are studying in Japan, and I've had this discussion with them, and. I'm surrounded by quite a lot of professionals and usually if I make a video and it gets a lot of hate, the first thing I will do is contact people who are studying in Japan and, you know, the people that I've studied under and just say, hey, did you take any offense to this video? You know, was there something that upset you about this video? I just want to know because, you know, there's other people that are upset about it, but if, you know, if the people that really count are not upset about it and they feel like it's solid information. So I kind of, if you're going to put yourself out there like I have with a podcast, with YouTube, you know, with a business, you know, trying to build a brand, uh, you're going to get attacked. Yeah. It's a shame. It's a shame. But, yeah, we have it here. It's the same with the whole club mentality and, you know, this club does this and this one's that. It's just... In the end, it's just uh, it's just draining. Yeah. You know, it's not to me. It just takes away the fun side of it, you know. Mm, and you know what? I think a lot of it is. I think fifty percent of it's probably not people being so malicious, but people seem to they almost practice bonsai with blinkers on. They they've they've got one way sight because. I see people arguing about things and one person lives in one climate zone and one person lives in the other and then they're arguing that, no, that doesn't work. And it's like, no, that doesn't work for you, but it does work for him. You know what I mean? And then they're arguing over something that both sides actually does work, but one lives in like a warm climate or one lives in a cold climate or, you know, certain things. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's bonsai. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's any hobby though. Um, you know, there's always conflict of interest with certain things and, um, there's always, you know, I find in bonsai, there's those people that like very humble bonsai. And then there's those people that love big collected trees and there seems to be a rift between the two. Yeah. 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 We have that here. Yeah. Yeah. It's a shame, but, um, I think it's also a bit of, uh, people wanting to be the the better artists and it's artists competing for whoever's got the best style, whoever's got the best pot, whoever's got the best display. And 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 I think you've got to display trees and you and and you've got to show them trees off. But on the competitive side, when you're up for awards and things like that, I think around that it can get a little bit 
the art can get a little bit lost. Do you know what I mean? It's, um, yeah, not, yeah, I don't know, it's a tricky subject. And that's kind of the reason, half the reason why I started my own club, so I can call my own shots. Yep. And that's been going on about the last three, four months. I thought I'd try it and it's gone quite well. So that's kind of enough for me. I do my own stuff, have my own students, bring in in internationals. I want to try and bring in sort of two demonstrators a year and um, just focus on that and not sort of have, be in control a little bit more and not have to want to do one thing and have to run it past 10 people who might want to do it, they might not. And so, yeah, I've had a bit of a weight lifted in the last few months and I'm enjoying it again. Because I've been part of the sort of New Zealand Bonsai Association and the Auckland clubs for 12, 13 years. And so that that side's sort of, yeah. I mean, I still meet them, I still hang with them, but I don't have to do what they tell me. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's, quite a, that's quite a good feeling, yeah. Yeah, no, that, that's, that's good too. If you can, you know, if you can take the people that you've got in your club and create a system where you know that they're going to learn, you know, the best techniques. And if you're yeah. bringing in demonstrators, yeah. you can actually, yeah. you can bring in demonstrators that, um, you know, there's differences between them because I find that in bonsai, you know, there's a lot of people that um, they get stuck on one artist, um, you know, who, oh, sure. who they follow. Yeah. They might, yeah. you know, they might say, you know, oh, I really love Ryan Neal's work or I love Bjorn's work or, you know, they might love a Japanese artist's work like Kobayashi or, you know, Mr. Kimura, yeah. somebody like that, and they'll just get stuck on that one artist. But I think, yeah. Yeah. I believe that if you can learn from as many people as possible and look at mm-hmm. the different ways they all do stuff and create your mm-hmm. own version of what everybody mm-hmm. else is doing, you're going to mm-hmm. practice better bonsai because you've been exposed to everything. Yep, and that's and that's the that's pretty much the way I've been trying to do it uh, since we started bringing in demonstrators about seven or eight years back, and just taking little things on. Because in New Zealand, you're kind of at the bottom of the world, and we're kind of it's quite hard to get someone to fly directly over here, spend a week or two here, and then fly all the way back. So we started doing a little bit with Australia as well. So we had. We brought over Peter Warren, Will Badley, and I managed to tag on another few weeks for them at the end of the New Zealand tour. So all those guys that we can bring out, um, just spending time with them in your house for like a week, it's just gold. And you just pick up stuff off them and then six months' time another one comes over and a little bit more. And uh, I think it's the sort of thing where if you if you can't go to them, bring them to you and and get them to teach you on your own trees so you can always see that work. You can always go back and say, okay, Will's, Will's carved this tree. Oh, I've got another tree I want to carve. Oh, what did he do on that bit? So you can go out in your garden and you can check, okay, he, he's done that. I'll give that a go. So you've got their work there. And I think that part of it's, that part of it's helped. But I don't know about you, but when, whenever, whenever I see a demonstrator or an artist do something i feel i feel uh like i just want to get out and do do you just get um 
a rush on that will last a few weeks or a few months just to just to bring that excitement level up. Yep. And the last year where we haven't had anything going on here, it's been a bit of, you're not sort of treading water, you're doing your own thing, and the trees are healthy and trends are getting better. But when you sort of meet someone that just blows your mind, that sets me up for another six months, and then I build off that, and I haven't had that for a little while. That's why I haven't enjoyed COVID because I, I, I haven't mixed with any of those guys that just, you know, just take things and move things up another step. Yeah. But I, I do do, I do do calls and I do speak to a few of them. I, I've got my sort of, uh, I've probably got three or four, three or four guys that I will sort of call on if I'm sort of stuck or I want to ask something or how would you do this or you know what's your sort of view on that. So I've got that inner sort of call, but I haven't caught up with them and I haven't met them in person for two two three years now so it's getting uh it's getting a bit tiresome yeah yeah I, I can understand what you're saying too with getting that motivation from other artists and demos because i know myself i've i've had certain species of trees where i've always looked at them and gone hmm i just i really don't get them i don't have an appreciation for them and then I've mm-hmm. gone to a demo or gone to somebody's garden or nursery and seen that species of tree done really well and then suddenly yeah. something snaps inside of you and you it go, I, I've got to get one of them. Like, yeah. And then you get this love for that species and that motivation yep. to, you know, yeah. move forward with it. Yep. Yeah, and I think and, and that sort of motivation can come from anything any little like one little thing just one little thing that just t- that you can add to your sort of toolbox of knowledge and skills that you'll use every now and again something just comes up and it might even be on a video and it'll just be something and it'll just be something that you use and it'll be part of your sort of way of doing stuff and uh, that just builds up and builds up and that's kind of why when you've got your students you can sort of teach them those things at an early stage and get into good. Because, I mean, the first – I started in England and and I didn't sort of – I didn't have a teacher for the first maybe four or five years. And so it wasn't – you know, you're kind of on your own. But if you can start now and build on that foundation quite strong and just build up, I just – yeah, that's – that's got to be the way to go, but you know, most uh, most of my sh- most of the people that come to my come to my club now, come to the workshops. They're probably oh, guys in their late twenties, early thirties. Yep. Whereas whereas going back 10, 15 years ago, I was the I was the youngest, and I was like the sort of they were all seventies seventies eighties. So there's definitely a there's definitely something happening. So, uh, yeah, I just wish that clubs were a bit better back when I started than what they are now, you know. Yeah. But it, what it is. It's funny because I've seen I've seen a real boost in bonsai over the last two to three years and it's made me laugh yeah. because I feel like that extra boost has not only come from, you know, more people doing YouTube and podcasts and that kind of thing, but with the um, reignition of Cobra Kai and showing bonsai in that, 
And it's funny that... Oh, the TV program. Yeah, and it's funny that yeah. it's a reboot of The Karate Kid and it was The Karate Kid that really kicked Bonsai off yeah, yeah, yeah. mainstream. Yeah. And now that Cobra Kai has come out, it's it's done the same thing again and given it another... So, yeah. <laughs> so are you a Johnny or a um, Danny side? Where this this is going to determine quite a lot about how this conversation moves moves forward. I I, I feel like I'm more of a, a Daniel son. Oh, Johnny man, Johnny, <laughs> Johnny's been loved this whole life. Come on. I I feel like because <laughs> I don't know. I feel like the Miyagi Do speaks a lot to the the martial arts that I practice myself and a lot of the the teachings and stuff. Although Cobra Kai is definitely the cool dojo. Yeah. I think Miyagi-Do is the, the level-headed, you know. All I'm saying is it was an illegal kick in the first movie. Johnny should have won. It would have been a whole different vibe. <laughs> <laughs> We'd be living in a different world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, we're we're going to have to get everybody that's listening to this podcast to um if they're watching it on youtube to leave a comment down below miyagi-do or cobra kai you gotta yeah, you gotta put in sure. your votes and i'll have to when I, when i post the audio version i'll have to put a link in the audio version to a, a poll and we'll get everybody to oh, okay. vote cobra kai or miyagi-do okay. okay all right all right let's do it we'll, we'll see how this pans out <laughs> just because johnny doesn't do bonsai doesn't mean that he's that he's wrong. I mean, how many times have we seen Johnny smash a bonsai in Cobra Kai so far? All true, true. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, but he needs a break, though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good old Cobra Kai. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's done good things for bonsai, I think. Oh, yeah. I mean, I remember, I remember watching the, the first movie and there was something about it. And uh, yeah, I, I I kind of that I kind of knew I loved Bonsai around when that film came out, yep. but I didn't get started when I saw that. But I always knew, oh, that'll be that'll be quite a cool thing to do. And uh, yeah, yeah, so, so many people got started in in that film, but yeah, doing their own trees. It's weird. Yeah, yeah, that's how I got started. I um. Okay. I, I seen the, the bonsai in that movie and then one day I went to a big box store and walked past the bonsai section and seen a, um, seen a little um, juniper and I thought, oh, yeah. that's really cool. So I bought it, took it home, put it on my bedside table, woke up every morning, looked at it, decided to do some research. Ooh, this shouldn't be inside. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then started doing more and more research Um learning different things about it. I end up yeah. I end up taking it out of the, the bonsai pot that it was in. I still have that bonsai pot as well. I've never gotten rid of that just because, you know, that was my first bonsai yeah, pot, yeah. even though it's nothing special. Yeah. Um, oh, and awesome. I've still got the juniper too, and it's still growing in a black plastic pot. And oh, really? I, oh, awesome. I, just, I don't know if I'll ever take it out of a black plastic pot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, yeah. <laughs> You might one day. I've I've got this issue where I, I I put things in black plastic pots and I grow them on and I see the growth in one year and the development and I'm like, 
I'm going to take it out this year, I'm going to put it in a bonsai pot, and then I see how much it developed, and I'm like, hmm, one more year, I'll get it just that little bit thicker. All right, so you're really, really, so you're really patient. <laughs> uh, I can't, I, I can't wait to get things into bonsai pots. I'm not, like, I will wait. Um, like, for instance, I got a maple that I've had for, for six or seven years, and I've about two days ago, I got a pot sent to me from Tracy Francis arrived, and um, I, I can't pot it for maybe another three or four months. But oh my god, how hard is it not to want to pot it? <laughs> it's 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 big, but uh, yeah, I mean, I've waited for a pot for so long for this tree. I've searched high and low, couldn't get ones in my suitcase from overseas, and then I tried here, and she she came up with the goods but yeah i've just got to look at it so i've got the pot sitting in front of the tree at the right angle so when i view it from my lounge it looks like it's in the pot that's a pretty much about as close as i can get (laughs) (laughs) uh and and it'll be soon enough before you know it will be through winter and buds will be starting to swell and you'll be able to potter up yeah no there's going to be some good because i've been spending a bit on pots the last year so um yeah i i i like that time because it's the next artistic phase of getting the pot right for the tree so i've probably got about 15 trees that are in, the good trees that are in average pots so i'm waiting to uh, for that time it's going to be pretty good because i've got pots all selected for all of them yeah yeah so it's going to be an exciting time so when it comes to pots, you know, obviously you've bought from Tracy Francis, and I know you've got quite a few of your trees in Luke Parsons' pots from um, yep. Luke Parsons from Adelaide. Um, in New Zealand, do you have many potters on the rise, or do you have any established potters? Yeah, I mean, I, I can name three or four, um, and it's always been a bit of a struggle to find pots here um but the last couple of years it's not so not so bad um so um yeah there's probably three or four dedicated potters that you would use but then you kind of want um a lot of them can only do to a certain size because of the kiln size so then um sometimes you just want to find someone that can make something quite big. So sometimes you have to step outside of the New Zealand realm. Um, but I met Tracy, uh, I, I come to Australia a few times if there's ever like an exhibition on it. And I met her a few times and um, yeah, I just got on really well with her and, and I just love her pots and um, started to collect her pots without even having a tree for it. And it's just, she's always my first go-to and um yeah, with her stuff, um, you're just never disappointed. Yeah. And it's, it's always like, oh, my God, look at this. Oh, my God. And it sort of drives you, – you don't want to downgrade her pot by putting in a bad tree into it. So you kind of kind of boost your game too. So – and she's the only one that's sort of um, – like you'll send potters pictures of your trees and, and what you've got in mind – but she'll follow the whole process through with you and she'll send you a, a sample of the glaze and she said, what about this? What about this? And, yeah, I've just 
built up a relationship with her and it's just you know i i honestly wouldn't mind if all my trees were in her pots and that was all i had i that wouldn't i wouldn't be faced by that at all i i i, I do bring a few over from england and stuff like that like i um i have a few of uh thor's thor's pots i like his stuff yep. um i got some dan bardens yeah you kind of collect pots you know i've got i've got a whole room full of pots but they'll never half of them will never go into will never have trees in them just because they're like an art object to me on their own you know but bonsai tables here is a big is a big uh uh hard hard find yeah trying to get tables yeah yeah i think that's so, um i think that's, that's pretty common the one thing missing yeah so you you don't have anywhere to get tables like like a proper company that or proper artist that makes them no not not that i've heard of here in australia um there's what i would call they're not really high quality show tables you can you can pick up some lower quality stuff um Mm -hmm. but nothing that's super high-end or customizable i mean i'm probably sure you could find you know somebody who would make exactly what you wanted even if they didn't know yeah. you know yeah, that's what it's like. yeah, yeah. but tables are one of those things like stands i think when it comes to display that is the hardest thing out of the whole display i mean you can find you can find scrolls with almost anything on them um mm-hmm. you can find all different size Pots, shapes, glazes, unglazed, everything. You can make kusamono to match. Um, you can get your little slabs for your kusamonos. But when it comes to the tables, yeah. there's so many different, you know, trying to match up like the, you know, you need a masculine table that's got, you know, not yeah. a lot of negative yeah. space and, you know, short, chunky legs. Yeah. And it's got to be, yeah. it's got to be a certain width. You almost need to buy. A particular stand for every like tree you've got that you want to display. Yeah. Yeah. Stands yeah. to a point. Bonsai pots are universal to a point. I mean, you can yeah. you can get an oval glazed pot, and you could put a whole range of feminine maples or whatever in that pot. But when it comes to a stand. You know, you really yeah. need something that's a certain okay. width. And if you've got a feminine tree, then you need thin legs. You need lots of negative space. And then yeah. depending on the color of the pot, the tree, depending on the kusamono, the color of the stand and the wood, you know, it's, yeah. man, yeah. it is just so, such a hard yeah. thing to get correct. Yeah. See, on the on the flip side to that, because we can't get a lot of stands, the last few, the last few exhibitions that we've had here, some of the stands have been people really thinking outside of the box, and we've had a few ones that uh, they've tried all sorts of stuff. So you can get a bit artistic with the stands if you if you don't have access to them. So um, yeah, so the display side can be pushed a little bit if you don't have access because you've got to have something. Yeah. So. Yeah, there's a few. Yeah, you've got to. I think that's why we differ a little bit here because we're so isolated that we we don't follow strict rules around that display. Not 
not that we not so there's there's people that have learned the rules and can sort of bury them a little bit, but then there's people that are artistic anyway, but don't know a lot about the display aspect yep. that will come up with their own stuff. And some of it's really good. So, and then you kind of think, oh, I don't know if that looks good or not. But then the photos end up overseas and all these big names of the bonzo. I was like, look at what these guys are doing in New Zealand. It's really good because they, um, they're trying all this stuff out. But we're trying a lot of it out because we don't have access to tables and stuff. So yeah, you just, just got to use what we have. Doing what you got to do. Yeah. And, and, yeah, I mean, do. and it's a hard thing too because you're walking a really fine line trying something new because in a display setting yeah. or an exhibition setting, you really don't want – that new thing that you're trying to stand out so much that people are looking at that and not the tree. Yeah. yeah because then, yeah. then you kill the point of the display because everybody's sitting there looking at this stand yeah. or. Yeah, that's right. I, I made, a, I made that mistake in an exhibition oh, eight or nine years back. And for my accent, I had a fish, like a live fish in a bowl yep. with uh and it was a beautiful tree, and no one saw the tree. They were just friends. Look at all the little fish in there, little fish. It was like no, like no one ever saw what I was trying to do with the display. They were just trying to poke the fish in the bowl. So I'm never using live animals as accents. That's that's finished. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think it's good though because we need people like you who are trying that stuff to see if it works. Because you know, on the on the opposite side of that, that could have really worked because a really common thing that you will see in yeah. bon like personal bonsai collections is bonsai surrounding a pond. Yeah, yeah, that's that's where I was going trying to do the little because it was a it was a uh, it was a Scots Scots pine or a radiator pine I I can't remember but it was the pine coming over the uh, pond and they're just the one little fish, um, but. Yeah, people just saw a fish and I just wanted to give, give it a poke. <laughs> but, uh, I, I, I did do another one where I had lights in the uh, base of the tree, like little tiny lights, that, and I had like the power coming out through the bottom of the pot. And um, so it highlights up the tree. Um, I did that one year and that looked pretty cool. I don't, and I don't, I might do, I might vary that sort of effect. Because if you can make your tree pop a little bit more, I like I'm not talking like a massive beam of light, but just little subtle things that just make that tree glow a little bit. Um, I might play around with that a little bit more. Yeah, and if you could position those lights in such a way that they cast a silhouette onto a white wall, then mm. you've got mm. you've got that aspect of that. It's kind of three D, three dimensional, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty like. The whole light side of it as well. Yeah, there's a few things. And also under the display table, if you've got a room, you can light under the display table and the whole tree and the the base of the table will just float. Yeah. So that's uh, that's one thing I'm going to try. But the hardest thing is trying to hide all the cabling. Yeah. So, but that's all right. I'm an electrician, so I'm trying to, I'm trying to hide stuff all the time. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I shouldn't be giving too much away. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was, I was going to ask because um, I knew from our emails back and forth, I seen your logo for your business and, you know, put two and two oh, together okay. that you're an electrician. 
And I want to get your mm. thoughts on, you know, I, I know in myself what the answer is probably going to be, but have you ever gotten cu- curious and tried to use copper cabling from electric wiring for, you know, wiring? I have, y- yeah, I do. I have annealed it before, but honestly, it's so much work. Yeah. And it's so hard. And you can just buy kilos of it and it's all there. Um, but what I do use it for a lot of guy wires. Yep. Um, because some of the big copper mains cables, like in commercial, like, like that fat, yep. you can strip those down and you've got like five or six mil copper. And some of those are quite soft. So I will use those. Um, but the only way that being a electrician has helped me in bonsai, and this always, so anybody that see me wire a tree, I will get, whenever I cut a piece of wire and I wire two, when I wire a branch or two, I will always get it exactly the right length and maybe that much to cut off on the yeah. end. And I don't know why, it's just years of cutting cable because you know, oh, it's getting to the end of the year and you just cut it. So people will watch me wire and like, oh, you just bend up the tip and there's like nothing to cut off. And, I've, and uh, that's part of because running your own business, you've got to save cable, so you're really tight. <laughs> so with, with and it's just a natural like I can wire a tree and I reckon you'd have maybe that much spare cable that I've that I've cut off overdone it mm, too much yeah yeah so that's the only time being a sparky's really helped <laughs> I, I you know it's funny you say that because that's one one of the moments in bonsai where I really get a lot of joy out of it is when I wire two branches together. And both yeah. branches come out the perfect length of bonsai wire, and you think, "Hell and you're yeah, like, nailed I'm it!" The man, <laughs> I'm the man, legend. Yeah. You turn around but and that's... you look, and nobody's seen it, and you're like, "Damn it!" <laughs> yeah, you're like, "Damn, I should have been, I should have been on Facebook Live." <laughs> <laughs> if people were watching this, I would have either been short or way too long. But I mean, I've, I've been stripping cables and wiring cables for these twenty, twenty-eight, twenty-nine years, so wiring a tree like it's it's it just comes naturally to me now so it's it's easy so uh yeah i'm kind of i'm kind of getting into the big branch bending that's my vibe at the moment trying to get get my skills up there like the big thick branch getting those bent down and doing a few moves yeah i think if you can if you get a tree to work on and you know what you can do with it even if it's quite a big move it just sets up the design better in the long run rather than just seeing a tree okay that's that's the trunk but it doesn't have to be the final des- design of the trunk you can wire all the branches and shape it but you can do more with that trunk yep so that's kind of where that's kind of where my focus is at the moment um yeah we've got a lot of trees that we collected last year that are coming up for their first sort of styling so um rather than just putting some wire around the branches we want to do some big uh, trunk trunk stuff so yeah that's that's gonna be this year uh lo- yeah. lots of um lots of rio and lots of raffia yeah lots of rebars and uh lots of uh timber boxes yep. i've made about 30 timber boxes <laughs> um and uh yeah lots of yeah lots of swearing i reckon <laughs> oh, yeah especially on those <laughs> lots bigger of trying to, yeah yeah trying to get you know get him getting people to stand on the box while you're removing stuff down and all the wires. But yeah, I quite, I quite like that stuff. Like the real 
the larger moves you can do, you know, when you see a tree and the before and after and it's right down and there's movement in the trunk. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's what I'm going to focus on this year. Yeah, that's, um, you know, one of the, I've got a series that's going to be coming out on YouTube soon that's going to be um, taking beginners from the very beginning of creating a bonsai from nursery stock all the way up to putting it in a container. Um, cool. And, you know, I think one of the most important things to teach them in that is, you know, I, I've seen this time and time again watching people shop for trees um, in other nurseries and also in my nursery, is trying cool. to tell them and trying to teach them that taking the most notice of the Tashiagari is the most important thing because you know they they look at these really tall trees and they're like oh i'm gonna get that one it's the biggest and it's like but look look at the tashiagari there's no there's no real root flare it's really straight up until the first branch but the tree next to it might be half its size but it's got like a really nice bend right before the first branch first branches on the outside of the bend it's got you know, maybe some yeah. roots that are going all out one way and compressed on the other side. So you can make like either a really good semi-cascade or windswept or slanting, you know, yeah. just trying to teach those characteristics and then yeah. making the big moves from there. Yeah, and that's right. That, yeah. That's kind of the, that's, right. that's the challenge with collected material. You know, you get, yeah. you get what you're given really. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I try and um, if I have like we've done a few students that will take to nurseries and they might have two or three trees the to um, choose from and I, and it, and it can be a simple process of just giving a tree a pro and a con and seeing which one adds up at the end and when you start talking about the pros of each tree and it might just be a little kink in the trunk or it might be a branch in the in the right place. That's a tick. That's 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 going against the tree. Take that off. And if they follow that through, they might see that this tree that they never even thought about at the beginning has got ten more pros than than the other one. But you can follow a little step by step guide. Yep. And I think that's a good a good way just for people that can't see it straight away. Yeah. And are, and are going because I kind of like people bring trees into the workshops that I host and they go to nurseries and they spend two, three hundred dollars on a tree and there's really you're like, damn, you shouldn't have bought this. There's, there's you know, you're never gonna get a good tree out of it. Mm. So I'm trying to trying to bring that down so that at least they're armed with something to look for rather than just size or nice like it's obviously healthy, but just that something extra that you might not have seen but the tree next to it has probably got it yeah exactly i think that's you know on the same path as you know what i've been trying to teach to look for those features and not look for you know surface kind of vanity you know oh that that tree's Mm. got a thicker trunk or that tree is taller or it's a bigger bonsai um you know trying to teach those little nuances of you know, a bend here or, you know, I, I had a, I had a guy come into my nursery one day and, um, he knew that he wanted a, a starter juniper and we've got like a range of $25 starters in like 10 inch pots. And mm-hmm. he picked one up and he looked at it and he went, Oh, this is not real nice. 
because um, a lot of lot of our um, starter trees, we actually do initial work to them, so that people do have yeah. something good to start from. And this particular yeah. tree had come up out of the pot and was kind of because they're um, prostrata, they want to come out of the pot and go down. And yeah. I kind of took the tree off him and turned the uh, the nursery pot ninety degrees, so the pot, the tree come out yeah. and then stood up, and I faced it at him with a yeah. bit of an angle. I said. Now what do you think of the tree? And he's like, I'll take it. And yeah. it was just like yeah. that one rotation of, you know, hating it and it's loving it. It's just going to change that little concept. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And it's good when people get that little, oh, okay, I can do that. And then they're off on another thing. Mm. Yeah, because it's funny. I think that's back cool. to when I first started bonsai, every nursery tree that I bought was planted the exact same way that it come out of the nursery container on the exact same angle because at the time I didn't understand, you know, planning angle, you know, no vertical horizontal lines and, you know, movement, you know, don't have the tree leaning, you know, too far backwards or I didn't understand any of that kind of stuff. So it would come straight out, straight into a bonsai pot. And then I remember the first demonstration I seen where somebody had taken a tree out of a nursery container and completely just planted it on its side. And I was like, wow, you can do that? Yeah. <laughs> like, it just opens up a whole new realm for you. Yeah, everything just opens up. And I know there's been – I've got a um, I've got a tea tree um, in my personal collection. And when I bought it, I looked at it. And when I looked at the base, and I'd only looked at, you know, probably the first few inches of the base, and the first thing I seen was that would make a perfect cascading tree. So I grabbed it and turned it completely upside down. And I was like, yep, that's what it's going to be. So I took it home, yeah. cut cut the side of the container out, turned the tree upside down, slip potted it back into the container, cut the tree all the way back yeah. up, started it again, started my taper. And so now yeah. that tree is, oh, it's absolutely awesome. beautiful. Yeah. But enough about me for a minute and my trees. Uh, you're the guest, so... Why don't you just tell us a bit about where you're at with your bonsai journey? Uh, my Kenzo, Kenzo bonsai that I've started is probably my main focus at the moment. And I'm sort of pushing it. Like we've just become a registered club. So um, that's only happened in the last week. So it's only been going maybe three or four months, but I've got a regular sort of 20 people that come. So yeah. Um, I'm just building that up slowly and slowly. Um, but where we're at at the moment, we've just uh, secured some Maori land that the Maori have taken back. And on this land is um, privet, hawthorn, all these trees that are sort of pest, pest trees that they want cleared. And um, so we've got a collection site for probably the next two or three years and, um, that I can take. Oh, I can take twenty people every Saturday and Sunday for two or three months every year for the next three or four years to take as many trees as they like. So, um, so where where I'm at is getting not just people that come to me to learn, but anybody that wants to collect trees and just build up that base of people working on trees, not just going to buy 
the, by buying the one or two smaller stuff, but getting out there, seeing what they want to collect from the wild, knowing how to collect the tree, knowing how to take care of the tree after it's been collected and having a memory of that tree of where they got it from, of a tree that they're going to have for the rest of their life yep. rather than the one that they just bought. So um, I think that's going to be, uh, that's going to be the sort of focus for the next few sort of years because uh, for the whole collecting side of stuff. So um, that will start in a few months. So that's, uh, yeah, so taking all those people out, I think, and just getting that buzz of when they dig a tree from the ground because um, there's a there's a lot of people that haven't sort of seen that aspect side of things and then they start to look at elsewhere for their own trees so uh yeah i'm kind of i'm kind of uh kind of excited for that sort of time period that's coming up yeah it's part of the reason i've had to build 30 odd boxes to so I'm, i've done all the prep so the next workshop that we've got is people learning to mix their own substrate in preparation for the trees that are going to be coming out. So just because you're going to be going and collecting trees in three months, now's the time to start getting everything set up and ready. So when you do collect them, it's all done. So yeah, so that will that's going to be me for the next six, six, eight months, I think, on that sort of vibe. And then at the end of the year, we've got a couple of shows coming up. So getting trees ready for that. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at at the moment. So yeah, I'm just trying to get people into the whole Kenzo Bonsai, uh, Cobra Kai Johnny vibe. <laughs> I think that's the way it's going to go. <laughs> that, that's, that's kind of a really cool opportunity though that you're providing people because collecting is a whole different beast and the trees that you collect are just so spectacular, you know, most of the time. And it's one of those aspects of bonsai, you know, when you first get into bonsai, you can get in your car yourself, go down to your local nursery, pick up a starter tree, bring it home, wire it, those kind of things. But you can't get, well, you can, but you shouldn't get in your car, go somewhere, collect a tree because you need somebody with you to show you the ropes. You need to, you need them with you to show you how to collect the tree, how to wrap the root ball. And then, as you said, being prepared to have you know to put the tree to transplant it when you get home is very important because you don't want that tree to die in the process of coming out of the ground into the box so yeah you know having somebody that can show them okay well this is the substrate that it needs to go into this is going to give it the best chance of survival you know we build a box for it blah 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 you know we you know i don't know whether you guys use sea soil over there um yep Yep. You know, we treat with yep, this. We do yep. Yeah, so I think that's, you know, a fantastic thing. And I th it's just reminded me one of the other things that I was going to ask you is in terms of being over there in New Zealand, what mm. what is the opportunities like for people to buy bonsai nursery stock? Is there many bonsai nurseries there or is that something uh, you're maybe looking at doing yourself in the future? Yeah, do you know this? Uh, my favourite sort of nursery guy would probably be Jeremy uh, Boyd. I don't know if you know him. He's got he, some fantastic he, stuff. Uh, he's got he's got a good setup. Yeah, so um, he's on the right path. 
Um, he's got a bit more land than I have. He's got quite a bit more space. Um, yeah, I, yeah, there's probably another two or three like him that you could go and you could dig trees or they're already collected. But um, they're sort of coming into their own now. I guess the trees have been going a little while. Um, so, yeah, we've got that, but it's, uh, yeah, there's not a lot. There's not a lot of, there's not really bonsai shops, not like overseas where you'll turn up at a, at a bonsai nursery and they've got tools, they've got pots, they've got everything, and they've got a rows of trees you can go and choose. We don't have, we don't have that. You'll have somebody does one little thing, somebody does another little thing, and you've got to buy your pots from this guy. This guy's got some good pines. This guy's got some good hawthorns, and you're kind of bits, of, bits all over the place. Yep. Um, but it's... It's getting better. It's it's getting better, but there's not that one go-to place. My my absolute dream would be to have a public display. That's where I would love to be. Yep. Um, you know, maybe forty or fifty of New Zealand's best trees in one place, so the general public can just walk through, and it's done in like a Japanese garden setting, and uh, that that would be the ultimate dream for me. So I'm not really i'm kind of about the garden aesthetic and having the garden feel right so to me um doing a nursery growing a whole lot of trees for people to buy i've got a little part of the garden for that but my main area is the feel of the garden so i i like that side of stuff and that's where my main focus is so i'll i'll, I'll have the fish and the stones and all that type of vibe and then Anything that's not up to par is in another area. Yep. And that's where I'm, that's stuff that I might sell, stuff that I've just collected, and I'll see where it goes. But Jeremy's got some fantastic stuff. Um, there's another couple, Adrian and Poppy, uh, South African couple. They've been growing field grown stuff since I can remember. I mean, uh, you would just go down there and they'd have rows of rows of trees in the in the ground and you would just you know, this area is for cedars this area is for elms and yeah, there'd just be stumps and you just go through and and i used to collect i, I used to fill my van up and uh, just take 15 20 trees and that's how i got the bulk of my collection at the at the beginning because i was just buying big big thick stumps um this this there's slowly um reduced it a little bit they don't replant as much anymore so it's getting a little bit uh, there's sort of there's not as as much there so people like jeremy's uh coming into his own but uh yeah there's not that there's not that big warehouse that you can just buy everything so you've got to take bits and pieces from everybody yeah yeah you guys because i you guys are a bit more than that though aren't you you've got a few dedicated nurseries that you can actually go and purchase trees from yeah well it's it's funny because we're coming into a transitional period here in australia where we've got um you know like the the original guys that had their their nurseries from back in the day so you know we've got um yeah. ray nesky um <clears throat> and then we've got uh leon kwong with bonsai south nursery um yeah and then we've got Ashley Brown on the Central Coast who owns Bonsai World, which is probably the biggest nursery. I think there's about 60,000 trees on the block there. Jeez. Yeah, it's just yeah, trees for days. I think he's got he's got about 20 acres there. 
Um, his first, his first bit is like the retail section where he brings trees out ready for sale, and then he's just yeah. got like behind the the retail section. There's just yeah, tons and tons and tons of trees. Um, he's also one of our biggest importers of anything here in Australia. Um, so when it comes to, you know, bringing in bonsai wire, he's bringing in like container loads of it. Um, I think in the last, in the last month or two, he's landed three or four 40 foot containers full of pots. Um, so he's had pots come in from Vietnam. He's had pots come in from, uh, China, um, just all over the place. So he's, you know he's really keeping the you know economy going over here he's the biggest importer of um akadama um pumice yeah. he's got kanuma now um so yeah. that that's why i'm able to sell all that stuff because he sells to me so um right, okay. so now online people have access you know if they buy from bonsai and they can get their their akadama um two to four right. mil two to six mil six to twelve mil and then pumice, they can get their three to six mil, their six to twelve mil. They can get their kanuma. Right. So we're starting yeah. to get a broader range. And now, now that bonsai is starting to get a little bit more established, we're looking to move into a slightly higher market. Um, yeah. So as I said, we're now importing from Japan. So. Um, we're going to have, you know, like the home of Kikua Tools here pretty soon at Bonsaien oh. um, from Japan because they're a very well-known, trusted tool. Um, you can pretty much research them and find good praise anywhere about them. Um, and then our oh. higher end is going to be Masakuni. Um, cool. And then we're looking to start regularly importing um, copper wire from Japan. Um, yeah. and then, you know, we've started importing all like the Japanese cut paste, um, all the different types of specialty tools. Um, the last import that I did, I got a few little bits and pieces of just random stuff because I didn't know whether yeah, our yeah, market yeah. here would take to such yeah. high end tools. Like for example, you know, the big jacks that you see professionals use overseas and the Japanese yeah. use um, rather than little branch, uh, branch benders, you know, like the big proper jacks. Yeah. I bought one of them over. I thought, yeah. okay, I'll bring one in, see if there's actually any interest for it. And, man, it was here for a yeah. couple of days and it left. So, so, uh, so you know, we're going to start kind of, you know, what we want is – probably what you guys want there in New Zealand is just that one place where people know that if they go there, they're going to find what they yeah. need. Yeah, yeah. And I've, I've thought about doing what you're doing over the years, but I've just never had the, never had the balls to do it. And it's always, um, it's always selling little bits here, little bits there. And I've brought, I've brought a few pots in and stuff like that, but I've never done it on a big scale. Mm. And, um, yeah, yeah, that's what you're doing here. We would definitely need here, but I've I've always been a bit cautious about the market here because I mean it's not so bad now, but four or five years ago there was it wouldn't have been worth doing all that because you know that there's only a hundred people that are going to 
purchase this stuff, but now there seems to be more. Mm. But uh, it sounds like there's more happening over there. I think you guys are a, a bit ahead of us but, on that side of it with that mass mass sort of yep. market that you can sell to. I mean, just the fact that you're bringing in shiploads of pots and wire means you can means you can sell it. You know, I would I would be cautious that I could that I could actually sell things. You know. But in saying that, you don't have to, like, people like Ash, he is mainly a wholesaler. So his deal is supplying the smaller guys. So so people like me, I don't buy a container load of wire off him. I buy, you know, reasonable amounts of it. And I do know that in New Zealand there is a market because every other week I get somebody from New Zealand emailing me, hey, do you ship to New Zealand? And for me at the moment... If I could ship to New Zealand, I would. Um, the, it, so, how come you can't ship to New Zealand? What's the what's the problem there? Because we're actually closer than some of your, some of the other parts of Australia. It's it's courier companies, man, um, and yeah. and the stigma yeah. behind shipping and shipping rates. Like, you know, there's. Yeah. A lot of people don't understand. They see some websites and they go, "Oh, but they've got free shipping." But they don't understand yeah. shipping is never free, ever. If a website's yeah. got free shipping, the shipping is in the price of the product. Yeah. And then yeah, if, sure. if you buy two, three, four, five products, you're paying shipping two, three, four, five times. Um, yeah. And yeah. then it'd be like if I was to, you know, say if I was to put two or three pots in a box and send it to New Zealand, you know, it may end up being $60, $70 for shipping and while there is a lot of people out there that would go, look, the product's good, I don't care, it's the only way to get it to me, there's yeah. a lot of people out there that rather than say, look, that's not for me, they they badmouth yeah. the business and they say, oh, they're trying to rip people off or this is just ridiculous and, um, you know, yeah. as you said, you know, business, it's a scary thing because I seen the other day too that, there were some people, you know, saying that, oh, the price of Akadama in Australia is absolutely ridiculous. But the side of the Akadama that they don't see is, you know, all the way from when the Akadama leaves Japan to when it lands here at the shop in Australia, you know, it begins with the exchange rate. You know, we already pay a higher price for it. And then there's the shipping with the shipping company, the container hire. The fumigation, the license, yeah. it costs $500 just to submit the license. Yeah. Um, and yeah. then once it lands in Australia, you know, my last order that landed here in Australia, I got hit with stamp duty, GST, a government charge that had no definition yeah. to it, uh, multi-line yeah. entry, this and that, and, you know, they, yeah. and by the time that... Yeah. By the time the product gets here, it's, yeah. you know, and we're making, yeah. Akadama is actually one of our lowest margin items that we sell because we try to keep it as cheap as possible for people, be, okay. you know, it's it's basically a novelty yeah. for us to sell Akadama. Jeez. Oh, okay. I kind of get a bit of a vibe now. Yeah, because here a bag of Akadama is 40, $40-odd dollars. Yep. Yeah, we sell it for twenty nine dollars yeah. a bag. Yeah, yeah. So, but you know, 
I've got this weird thing about you you end up paying for things because you want to use the best stuff. So it's just part of it. But um yeah, we definitely do need that one stop shop here. That's the one thing that's missing. Yeah, I, I think but, the person that starts it in New Zealand is gonna be the person that wins because you know, here in Australia yeah, for sure. We have a lot of bonsai shops here in Australia that, and yeah. you know, the more the more I look around at other you know online bonsai stores or other you know physical shops, you yeah. know everybody specialises in different things. Yeah. We're kind of yeah. going to be the first, let's call it superstore. Yeah, it's it's yeah. you know it's still years down the track because everything costs money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, because I've I've always thought about having a commercial site and uh, being in a city, um, having that having a sort of shop at the front that sells all the goods, but then having the workshop and the garden at the back. So you basically just leave your home each day and drive to your own trees, but you've got the shop as the front. Yep, and hoping that. Everything, everything, everything works, and you earn enough that, you, that it pays for the commercial premises as well. I really, uh, I, I don't know how things work in New Zealand, but I really don't think that that's possible. I, if you look at, I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say every bonsai nursery in the world, it's going to be at a residential premises. Sometimes that residential premises is ten acres. Sometimes that residential premises is an acre, but yeah. it's really hard to find a commercial shop front in where you can do what you were just saying, where you can have the shop front and then have a part out the back where you can have trees where somebody's not going to come late at night, jump the fence and help themselves. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's so many risks. And yeah. and they're just... There's just not that many properties out there that have a shop and a outdoor section attached to it and a secure outdoor section at that. So I think you'll yeah. find that most people run their bonsai nurseries from a home. That way they're always with the trees. Um, they can keep an eye on them. Um, like Bonsai End, we run it from our property here. We've got three acres. Um, we just moved from a 13-acre property to a three-acre um, oh, okay. Oh, okay. So you've gone down. Definitely don't need thirteen so how, acres. How does it? How does it feel? How does it feel to go from thirteen to three? Better because I spend less time mowing the lawn and more time working yeah. on trees. <laughs> the whole lawn thing is an issue. <laughs> One thing I could do without. Uh, and you know, there's a lot less walking to get to things, and yeah, um, yeah, yeah, it's it's a lot more homely. Um, yeah. Oh, cool. And so, yeah, um, yeah, it's interesting. I'm, I'm really going to be watching New Zealand over the next few years to just see, because as I said, mm. especially with the market, it's hard because here in Australia, I could definitely, I could send stuff to New Zealand every week, no issue. The minute I open my yeah. shop up to New Zealand, I would have orders coming through. But it's just yeah. that shipping, man, and there's. <clears throat> until you actually send orders a lot. I don't get it a lot anymore, but I used to get a lot of anxiety sending pots out. Yeah. As soon yeah. as a pot would leave, 
or pots would leave, I'd get so much anxiety, like, oh, my God, I hope they make it, I hope they make it. And, and we, we, we went through a period there where we had to do a lot of testing. We lost a lot of money in sending people new pots because they got broken. We had to test what boxes worked, what packing materials worked, what shipping yeah, yeah, companies yeah. were good and what shipping companies weren't any yeah. good. Um, yeah, yeah. We've got it down to a fine art now. I haven't had a broken pot in maybe a year and a half. Um, Okay. And, you know, I've sent sent orders of 40-plus pots out. Um, Wow. You know, I have people that order 40-plus pots at a time. Um, Yeah. You know, I have people that order, you know, 10 big pots at a time, you know, and that go to really remote locations in Australia. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's just, okay. it's an art in itself learning how to yeah, not break yeah, a pot yeah, yeah. in the post. So when you're thinking about sending overseas, you know, there's a whole yeah. set of different challenges to overcome. Because um, yeah. even here in Australia, yeah. there's certain locations that I do what I call blacklisting. So there's certain customers who will order from me. And I will blacklist their name, not them being a bad customer, but I know they have a bad courier. Uh, okay. So I kn- already yeah, okay. So I know that if that customer orders something, they're blacklisted, and next to it is the courier that I do not send stuff to them with. So I choose a different courier because I know that their local courier in that area is very uh, rough okay. and always yeah. breaks their pots. So there's a few. Maybe. You know, and then as yeah. I said, if I was, well, that must be so, must be so time consuming. Uh, to to own to own a bonsai business, or I think any business, you've really yeah. got to love it because if you don't, you're going to hate it. Yeah. And yeah, you know, it's yeah, and I think that's what stopped me a little bit from going too far into the bonsai business side of things because it might take the love away from the actual art of it and i think that's what stopped me a few times because i do have my own business and i've and i've got a few guys a week for me and when that gets stressful when i come home the whole relaxing side of things is to work on my trees if that starts getting to be a business i don't know i don't i might lose that and so i've always been a bit cautious of that i don't find that that happens i find that for me it's the exact same thing I have a stressful day where I've dealt with some bad couriers or, you know, I've right. I've been trying to deal with customs or something and it's just really stressful. At the end of the day, if you can walk out, pick up one of your trees, sit it on the bench, sit down and work on it, yeah. you just, def- you know, you deflate, you know. It's just work. You just, you know, you've... St- so, sorry. No, go ahead. I was just going to ask, I was just going to ask if you actually sell trees as well like sell sell more trees yeah like do you have so because you've got quite a nursery haven't you yeah so we've gone you know just like the shipping you know where we had where we've had to test a whole lot of things over the last year and a half to two years we've been kind of testing sales of trees and what works so we've tried having some more higher end trees We've tried having yeah. just nursery stock that's untouched. We've tried having, yeah. 
what we call pre-bonsai that's in the nursery container, but it's got, you know, the startings of what would be a good bonsai. Um, yeah. And then we've also had our gift trees, which are just little trees, but yeah, yeah. we treat them with a lot more respect than a big box store would. So um, things like right. our junipers, we make, we make sure that after they're potted, they stay with us for eight weeks. So we know so that they really have survived. Um, yeah. and we try to actually style them properly. So before they go into a bonsai pot, they've already had their styling work done. So when they do go in, they're not just a random tree stuck in a pot. Um, yeah. so then okay. the, the downside to all that is figuring out. So with the, the problem I found with the more established trees is you spend so much time wiring, dewiring, rewiring, pruning, trying to get taper, branches in the right spot, and then you get it in a, a bonsai pot and then you might you might be able to do up, let's just say, 10 good trees. The minute you put them out for sale, they all sell. And, I mean, for business, that's a good thing. They all sell straight away. But the thing is, it was such a long journey to get to that point there it's yeah. just not unless you've got thousands of trees and you've got that turnover and you've got yeah. you know maybe 10 staff working right. for you doing different yeah. levels of bonsai then that's just not yeah. something you can keep up with um yeah. the starter trees is definitely something you can keep up with because you know they've just got initial movement you know they're yeah. very basically styled you know in a very basic yeah. pot you can do up, yeah. I think I did probably 50 or so starter trees um, going into last spring. Um, yeah. And then at Christmas time, I had a sale and they all sold straight yeah. away. We did not keep, yeah, one, yeah, we didn't keep one of those trees. So that's kind of, you know, more of a, a market where I see that's yeah. viable, but what I'm tr actually testing right now is me making trees privately and then selling them to other nurseries to sell. Okay. All right. So, okay. yeah, as I said, for you guys over there, this is, it's all a, a learning curve. If you were to do something like this to see what works, what doesn't work, you know? Yeah. We do have a we do have a guy Stephen in mini gardens he's called and he does a lot of the small starter trees like what you said and you go to his place and there's hundreds of them um, so we've 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 got that and I know I think he does quite well there and they they always sell but a lot of people will sell stuff at exhibitions here yep so you'll have five or six traders and. By the end of the two or three days, they've normally pretty much sold everything. So there is that. But I think we're kind of missing here a little bit of the pre-bonsai stuff. Yep. I think, you know, um, you know, we've we haven't we've only just really been collecting in the last sort of I think eight, eight to ten years. There was a whole there was a whole gap of the sort of last generation that didn't really collect so we haven't got that bunch of trees coming through there's not that big bulk of really old worked on trees so we 
there obviously is some, but there's not a lot. So there's a gap of the older trees coming up to the new the new generation. And so uh, I kind of feel the generation after us is in for a treat because this generation has collected a lot more stuff and their their skills have got better and the trees are going to get better, but we're going to be gone. So the next generation is going to be a lot better for for us. Yeah. Um, um, so, yeah, we've, we've got a bit of a void in the last generation. Um, and I think that's held us back a little bit. And maybe Australia didn't have that sort of that void and they've got that bulk and they've got that sort of foundation to build on. Yeah, because that's like the bonsai lag. That's kind of what I was just saying. That, yeah, the bonsai lag. You know, yeah. you, you've got to start yeah. and there's probably, you know, if you want to sell really good trees, from the moment yeah. you start your nursery, you've got to hold on to those trees for 10 years. And unless mm. you're moving trees up in a state, like one step every year and replacing those ones you've just moved up, yeah. and unless you can get that cycle going then after yeah. that 10 years, you're going to sell out of all your really good trees. And if you didn't start mm-hmm. that cycle 10 years ago, that's it. You're done. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's, yeah, you know, that's the bonsai it. lag. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and we, we've definitely had a lag, but that lag went on for longer than, longer than 10 years. I'd say it's probably about 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I, I mean, it's like you could, you could look at, second third generation trees here and i could tell you who who they were from just by the shape of them because you're only talking about maybe five to ten artists that were around in the 50s 60s and 70s that had that style yep. and you can see it you can see those trees coming they're getting older now they're coming into that top top end but they're coming through and um you know you always know where they are or where they've been so yeah but now we're getting the same standard in collected trees coming through yeah which the, the time frame will the time frame will actually shrink so a really nice collected tree over a five to eight years being time spent on it that gap will close a little bit yeah and i think the other thing that we're gonna we're gonna see hopefully in that time is I think I spoke way back in episode one of this podcast with Hugh Grant about it, is the fact that Mm -hmm. in this day and age, with all the exposure that we have to bonsai, you know, back in the day, like in Australia, we had the Khorashoffs releasing, you know, Mm -hmm. native Australian books and all different kinds of things. And around the world, we had books available to us. But in this day and age, we have so much exposure to Every artist, even somebody like yourself, you can get on social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, all these kind of things, and you can show your trees like you're at an exhibition every single day. Um, That's crazy. And all the people that are coming up in Bonsai, they can look at those trees, be influenced by them, and be influenced by your style, and... Yeah. I think in 10 years from now, we can go, oh, wow, that's a Martin Walters tree. Oh, wow, that's a Hugh Grant tree. Oh, wow, that's, you know, this guy's tree, yeah. that guy's tree. You know, yeah. we can, cool. we, you know, we're going to end up with, you know, it's like music. Sometimes you can hear yeah. a song and you 
don't even yeah. need to hear the artist's name. You just know who that song was written by. Yeah. And I think yeah. the more and more we have this exposure to bonsai and the more and more people experiment, the more and yeah. more um, yeah. we're going to get yeah. that. Because Hugh Grant yeah. is one of those guys here in Australia who's really on the mm-hmm. forefront of that, um, I would say, having a very unique style, whereas if you walked into an exhibition and there was no name tags on any trees, as soon as you seen one of his trees, you would be 100% know that was his tree. <laughs> yeah, and that's the reason we we uh, brought Hugh over. Uh, we had a, a exhibition like oh, about two years back, maybe three, but, yeah, Hugh, Hugh, Hugh was my choice to bring over just because he was on that sort of design aesthetic that we were after to someone that wasn't, you know, the same as everybody else. Well, I mean, good. you can learn the Japanese aesthetic ten times over. You know, it's just the same thing again and again. And while I'm not knocking the Japanese aesthetic, it's actually one of my favourite styles mm-hmm. in bonsai is the traditional styles. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you can learn that over and over and over again from a hundred different people and it's just the same thing. But you bring somebody yeah. like Hugh in, you might pick up one or two just little nuances that you yep. can start yep. adding to your trees that maybe have that Japanese style. Um, yep. And then That's suddenly right. you've yep. created something brand new. You've created a hybrid of two styles. And that yep. may end That's up being what people recognize you for. Mm-hmm. You know? So- yep. That's pretty much where I'm. That's pretty much my vibe. <laughs> Yeah, just grabbing bits of information and little bits of styles from where where I can. And you you kind of see um, on social media people that you're kind of in in tune with, and you kind of yeah always follow their little bits. Yep. See what they would do. Yeah, and that's helped a lot. Yeah, and like mm. like everything, you know, not everybody likes the same music. Not everybody likes the same movies. Um, you know, everybody's got a different favorite color and it's the same with bonsai. You know, you don't have to, you don't have to like everybody's trees. You don't have to like everybody's style. You can still respect it. You can still appreciate the work that they've put in taper, you know, branch structure, all this kind of stuff, but you don't have to, you know, you don't have to vibe with it. You don't have to, um, and you can find somebody else's style that you do like and really gravitate towards it and pull it in you know, start practicing yeah. that style and then somebody else, oh, really love what they're doing too, you know. You know, just say, for Make example, yeah, imagine imagine somebody that really likes um, Masahiko Kimura's rock plantings, but at the same time mm-hmm. they really love Hugh Grant's, you know, whimsical style, mm-hmm. and then they create a rock planting with that style of tree instead of, you know, Kimura style of tree. Yeah. Now you've got something that's like, wow, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's really exciting Definitely. to think of that. Yeah. 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 Somebody takes my lights. <laughs> 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 that's a, that's pretty much all I can offer. Lighting. Lighting. <laughs> I don't know. Mm. I think if you, you keep working with a lot of that collected material you get, um, yeah, and as I said, if, if you keep bringing in demonstrators with your with your club Kenzo Bonsai, 
um, yeah. you know, that's really going to, you and your students alike are really going to learn and be exposed to so many different styles, techniques, you know. That's what it's all about. And, you know, we're going to yeah. see good things happening. Mm. But what, what, yeah. where did the yeah. name Kenzo come from? Um, so that's the name of my dog, okay. <laughs> but, um, uh, so my, my wife spent a bit of time in Japan as well. And, um, Kenzo in bonsai means strong, strong and healthy. So, um, when we got a dog, the kids wanted to give it a Japanese name. And so they looked online at like, why don't, why don't we call it this? And, uh, it means strong and healthy. And then, uh, when I had to choose a name for my club, the first thing you want in a tree is it to be strong and strong and healthy. So Kenzo Bonsai just popped up. I was like, okay. And uh, yeah, that's just where it came from. I didn't, I kind of thought twice about um, a Japanese vibe to it because I feel, um, I don't know, if you're not entrenched in the culture, you're kind of robbing a little bit of something away from it. Yep. Do you know what I mean? Yep. But um, that thought passed after about a week, and it just stuck. <laughs> yeah, I, and it looks good on a font too. <laughs> yeah, I, I think a lot of people out there, you know, stick to Japanese names when it comes to naming a nursery or a YouTube channel. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, for me, when I came but, up with bonsai yeah, N, right. Yeah. I, I kind of sat down and I went, "Hmm, what is the most simple name I can come up with?" Yeah. And literally, yeah. something. Keep it simple. Yeah. Bonsai N. It literally just translates yeah. to bonsai garden. <laughs> yeah, and then everybody knows what it is. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's really that's, cool. Yeah, and so we've we've got a Facebook uh, group here that started um, probably about five years after all the other clubs, and it was called Bonsai NZ. Yep. And the membership just rose and rose and rose and rose because people go on there and they're searching and that's the first thing that they type out. So it's the first place that they go. So it's not the most complicated name, but it's the first one that's going to come up when people want to search for things. So that's got, that's, that has seen people just join that club. Just because it's gone boom, 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 boom. Yep. So, um, yeah, keep it simple. So now that... Um, you've just had the announcement the lockdowns have been lifted mm -hmm. uh, workshops going to be back in full swing now well yeah I, I was meant to have a workshop last weekend so um, yeah we're back to normal now so um, I, I normally hold a workshop the first Sunday of each month um, for about five six hours and then I have um, I've got a mid week wiring workshop where people can just come in and just practice the wiring. I've got a whole lot of setup, uh, not booths, but they've, they've got their own little stand and they've, they've got the wire and they've got things that they have to wire and they'll, and they'll go from, from dual wiring to branches and getting everything straight. So not necessarily on a tree, but just on things that I've, that I've made. And if they can nail that, then they move up to the tree. So, um, basic stuff um so that's back and running but what i've what i've started in the last uh, few months is a styling service where people will drop trees off and i'll just charge them an hourly rate to style their trees um 
and now that people can come and collect those trees because the lockdown's finished, I've got to get on to actually finishing their trees. <laughs> so I've got a backlog of all these trees that I've got to get ready in time for them to pick up. Um, and that's been quite good. I, I don't know if you offer that service, but I've had, I get, you you get a sort of person that um, likes to find stuff that they've collected in a nursery or whatever, but they don't want to style it. They just want you to style it, and then they'll put it in a pot later on. I seem to have a few like that that aren't necessarily into learning how to. They just want it done. Yep. Um, that seems to have taken off more than anything else. Yeah, um, I do find that so, when people come to buy trees, I do get a lot of people that come in with a nice thick wallet, and they don't want they don't want to yeah. um, buy pre bonsai stock and make their own bonsai. They just want something that's finished, and they'll always go to my personal collection and they say, "How much for yeah. any one of these trees? I'll buy one of these. Money's not an option." And I always say to them, like, they're not for sale. And they say, well, well, why not? And I say, well, one, these are my personal trees. And for two, you don't really know what you're doing with it. So I'm not going to sell you, you know, an older tree, a more mature tree that I've put my heart and soul into knowing that it's going somewhere where you're not really sure what you're doing with it. And you, and you, and you don't, want to see your pride and joy just go downhill slowly. Mm, that's it. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, I've got about 15 trees to style this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I that's that's I love that part of it. That's probably my favourite part is, like, the styling of the trees. So if people want to drop trees off for me to style, that's, like, a joy for me. So, um uh, I, and that also gives that just gives me more stuff to do, so I get better at it. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that side of the workshop and the clubs come on quite strong, and it's a part that I didn't think would come on as strong as what it has. But yep. yeah, and I come home from work and there's like a tree on your tree on your doorstep, you know. Oh, there's another one I've got to do. And yep. There's another one. But the downside is my wife thinks that they're my trees and I'm getting more and more trees, but I've got to tell her that they are eventually going to go because <laughs> it's getting it's getting a full on out there. <laughs> well, it sounds like you could actually, you know, approach somebody who sells trees and partner with them in terms of yeah. when somebody buys a tree from them, that seller can say, well, look, if you're after learning or styling of this tree, go and see Martin. Um, yeah, that's where that's where I'd like to be. Yeah, because yeah. then I don't have. A, yeah, that's that's where I see myself more. Yeah, and that's happened a bit with Jeremy's trees. And uh, every now and again, I'll send him a photo. Oh, look, I've got this one of yours to, to style, and it's come up from a guy. That, you, know, you know, I've never I've never met the guy, but he's dropped off, and I know it's one of Jeremy's trees. Yep. So yeah, so I've sent him a photo. Hope you don't mind, but I'm going to do this and this and. Yeah. Yeah. So, in terms of uh, your services and workshops, where are people going to find all the information for this stuff? Um, I do stick to Instagram and Facebook. So, I've got a Kenzo Bonsai page on Facebook uh, and Instagram. Um, you got to keep in mind we've only been going about three or four months. So, um, We've got a website coming. Uh, we've, now that we're an affiliated club, then I can 
get on the demonstrator side of things and I can host, host things. So things are just sort of, things are starting to build now. Um, and the same thing with T-shirts and all that sort of stuff happening. So um, just building that out, but mostly on Facebook and Instagram. That seems to be my main main thing at the moment. Yeah. I think once I can offer stuff to sell or trade, then I'll have a website, but I don't need that at the moment. I've got, I can only take so many students at one time. And um, I don't know if you've ever hosted a workshop when you have 30 people turn up and they all want your time and the whole thing only runs for about four hours. It gets pretty full on. So I don't really need to um, push that side of things. Yeah, I'm happy with, eight or ten and keep it keep it good because i don't think it's fair to everybody else that you know they they want to spend time on each thing so i'm not after hundreds of members i'm more of a more of a boutique kind of vibe yeah and and i find workshops are a bit better when they're a lot more intimate um you know things aren't rushed yeah you know people bring along one tree I've, i've got three or four um, three or four students that will just come and they'll just be us and they'll they'll either come and help me do things on my own trees because they want to learn how to do that or they'll bring a tree and we'll sit down for a few hours and that's the best time because um, I don't want to rush style a tree for someone I don't, I don't think it's fair and I don't want that tree to go out and it's not up to what I consider a good standard and then that tree's always been styled by me and that's got its name to it whereas if I can spend time on it and do a job I'm happy with I don't want it to leave until it's up 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 to that spec and if you're really rash and there's lots happening I want to make sure I do a good job yeah and that's why I like to keep it small yeah no that definitely makes sense hmm. All right, well, I think we'll wrap it up because we've been going okay, for an hour and 42 Sorry. minutes now. I think... Um... We almost cracked it. <laughs> no, that, that was... Well, um... thanks for the opportunity. No, well, I know that, you know, we spoke. Oh, man, it was probably a year, a year and a half ago now. I think we had brief contact. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, you know, when you emailed... It just sparked that thing in my head. I was like, yes, definitely got to get, you know, Martin on the podcast. Cool, um, oh, sweet. Thank you. As I said, you know, I'm trying to find as many people as I can to lift them up into the light and, you know, especially people who are cool. producing quality work like yourself. Um, cool. I, I just think, you know, if that if that's one service I can do for the world of bonsai is, you know, put other people out there. Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah, you know, that's awesome. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, and anybody else out there that's listening, contact me because you know if I think, I think you know maybe Jeremy should contact me. <laughs> Jer- Jeremy should get him. Yeah, I'll have a little. I'll ask him and see if he's keen. He's quite. He's quite shy. Yeah. No, I've um, <laughs> I've seen quite a, a bit of his stuff. He actually added me on Facebook. Um. I've, yeah. I've seen a lot of his work on Facebook and I think, you know, people like him would be. He's, uh, he's really onto it. Yeah. And he's uh, he's really good at the horticultural side as well. Um, yeah, he's a guy that um, speaks sense the whole time. Yeah. There's not some, he just, yeah, it's just, he knows what he's doing. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, uh, as well. 
is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah. he's not. Uh, you know, and you can see it in his trees as well. You know, I've watched, you know, I mean, I, I think I met him about 10, 10 years back and, yeah, he's just got better and better and better. Yeah. No, that, that's um, that's a good thing. So I hope 